Hi, and welcome to episode 167 of No Crying in Baseball, the 100 miles per hour and hair on fire episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. What you got there? I can't wait to hear what you have because that <laughs> sounds just way too exciting. All I have is I can't believe this is our last show of 2020. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is our first kicking off the goodbye to 2020 celebrations. Goodbye. 2020, although I've enjoyed, this has been a highlight, definitely, doing this podcast has been one of the best things about 2020, one of the sanity-saving things for me about 2020. It has me through for sure, absolutely, and I'm so glad we found a way to do this, even though we have to be apart, because that was a worry initially. It was like, wait a minute, I can't hang with, you know, with my potty mouth to do this thing. How are we going to do this thing? And I miss you, and this helps me miss you a little bit less. Same. Yeah, I remember figuring the whole thing out. So so cheers to our producer, El Jefe, for getting this cool new squad cast system. That that sounds pretty cool. Sure enough does. But, you know, I want to know what you're drinking. Mm. Uh, el frío es ligera. No, shoot. I already screwed up. La fría es ligera. El momento es golden. This is Presidente. That was the the ad. If you watch Liedam, and I'm going to be talking about Liedam at the end of the show, that is the ad that you'll hear. I timed it today every seven minutes. But I couldn't find the Presidente Golden Light. So I just have Presidente Regular. And actually, there is a whole story behind this beer. I got it, got it home. And then I was a little disappointed when I looked at the side and it said Orgullo Dominicano, which means uh, Dominican pride, brewed in the United States. And I was like, oh, that kind of feels like a cop out. Then Mr. Potty Mouth pointed out to me that that's probably better. It's going to taste fresher. And the glass is green, which is not good for beer, but they use it for some ungodly reason. And then I, I posted that on Twitter and somebody, I think it was Ollie, found out that A-Rod is now like part owner of Presidente. And it's his sort of mission to bring Presidente to the U.S. And even worse, it's owned by InBev, which is uh, Budweiser. Actually, that's not terrible. It's not an American company anyway. It's a Dutch company. So I am. I thought I was sponsoring a Dominican brewery, but in fact, I'm repping A-Rod and a Dutch brewery that is the owner of Budweiser. That's not like you. How interesting. How interesting. Hey, ask me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking? Well, in my Bowie Bay Sox glass, which you'll find out soon is thematic for today, I have eggnog and I had been spiking it with locally distilled corn, smoked corn whiskey. But oh, I saw so good. our friend Jeff from Two Strike Noise saying that his go-to is Fireball in eggnog. Hmm. And I thought, huh. And I had a tiny little bit of Fireball left and it's really good in eggnog. I'm just saying. So, huh. so cheers. And thank you, Jeff. Hey, um, for your, your reading pleasure, the Washington Post this past week interviewed girls who play on DC Girls Baseball and also their founder, Ava, on the hiring of Kim Ang and what it means to them as girl baseball players. And it's a wonderful article about representation and about how important it is that girls and Asian girls see Kim Ang in this position. So I will recommend that you please read this article in the Washington Post. We will link to it in the notes. On today's show, this is how we retire. I know we've got local boyfriends from the O's and the Nationals, all of our home teams here. We've got a fun fact about rookie of the year eligibility. See, I'm going to teach you something after all. And we've got international baseball from lots of places. So first, Howie Kendrick, our pal from the Nationals, 
this past week announced his retirement after 15 years in baseball. He played with the Angels, the Dodgers, the Phillies, and the last couple years with the Nationals, where he is synonymous with the word clang, meaning the home run he hit off the foul pole at Nats Park. So, um, yay, very important to us. And we're going to miss him. His goodbye message mentioned that he gets to be home with his kids now and be a pain in their butt. That's so sweet. So it looks like he really wants to be a dad. And things I read about him were all about how he doesn't like to talk about himself and like pump up like his own achievements. It's all about talking about the good and other people. Like he's just doing his job. But this guy did great. And this guy and they really pulled it off. And look at how they work together. And this is great. And so he really didn't like participate in a goodbye tour at all. He was not at all interested. Right. He's like, yeah, now this is, this is what I need to say. I've said it. Thank you, everybody. You've been very special. And, you know, drop my, drop the mic. Yeah, it's it's nice to see him go out on his own terms and to go out on a high note. It's just hard as a Nats fan because he is that spirit of the clubhouse. And even when he's not making that play, you know that it's his energy that's really behind things. And the image I keep thinking of of him from the World Series is when he did that that car driving thing with Adam Eaton. Yep. After, and, and they did that a couple times. And just that spirit, you know, that's the fun stuff to watch. Yeah. And now they're both gone. Now they're both yeah. gone. So that whole, yeah. so they were, one of the reasons they were both in the clubhouse was for leadership, for veteran leadership. And now they're both gone. So that's going to be an interesting team this year. Another interesting team this year, um, in a less good way, is uh, the White Sox because Tony LaRusso, you know, I could just stop there. We talked a few weeks ago about his second DUI, which occurred in Florida, and it was outstanding from February, finally uh, got dealt with. Tony LaRusso pled guilty to a misdemeanor of reckless driving, got a $1,300 fine, 20 hours community service, and one day of jail time, which he can serve at home. I mean, come on, we've all been serving our jail time at home for months. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I hear he knows people. And, hey, don't you know who I am? I'm Tony LaRusso. I got a World Series ring. So I guess that works out for people. I just got to wonder, like, what vibe does that set with the players? You know, to have to follow somebody who just did this and to probably have known other people who do similar things and aren't going to get off as easy. It's, it's just, you know, an interesting other side note about the White Sox. We just mentioned that Adam Eaton is no longer going to be on the Nets. He's actually going back to the White Sox where he left on bad terms. He left with beef and he's going to be back for a year. And I mean, his primary beef was with Todd Frazier, who hasn't been there for a while either. But it it's going to be interesting. It was like, oh, OK, so you're going to welcome him back with open arms. I don't know. We'll have to see. Do you know what the fans think about him? I do not. Because that's that's yeah, that's the rough part. Well, we're going to talk about a couple of other teams today. We're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. There's something beyond the field that each one of us just is sort of drawn to. So we each pick a guy per team. And we can't repeat, guys, except for one. We get one holdover each year. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that with our second team. But we're going to start off with the American League with the O's. And this is our third week of doing baseball boyfriends. And it's good to see the O's moving up. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's harsh for me as a Sox fan to have picked a, a Red Sox boyfriend before an O's boyfriend. That's for sure. Right. What, what, yeah. What Potty Mouth is saying there is that we start from the bottom of the standings and we work our way up. So the O's were not the worst or even the second worst, but we're only the third worst in the entire American League. And so, woohoo, this is progress. 
Yeah, they they have coincidentally or not so much. They have the lowest payroll in MLB, so that shows you a little bit about what money can buy. You know, looking at their lineup for this year, I don't know how much higher they're going to get, but but I don't know. There's some wild cards in there. I kind of felt tied to Rio Ruiz because I had mentioned him in the 2020 season because of his lovely hair. So for those of you who are keeping track, this is my second hair-based, majorly hair-based pick so far, and we have done this for three weeks. So that's not so bad right there. I noted during the season that because of COVID, he wasn't getting his hair cut, but his wife was shaving the sides. So he ended up with this absolutely glorious flowing mohawk. I'm dying to know if it's still there. I didn't see any any recent pictures, but I'm, I'm hoping. He has been a baseball star since youth, and in high school, he was a two-sport dude and a quarterback on the football team, which I thought was kind of fascinating that baseball would be his primary sport, but he's still quarterback on football. And actually, when he was a freshman in high school, he had a verbal agreement to go to USC for both sports. Wow. So he goes through high school thinking that he's got a ticket already to USC, and he ends up instead signing out of high school with the Astros. Uh, One thing actually that I I just missed is when he was in high school, he was 16 years old and played a championship game at Dodger Stadium with his high school team and hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. Oh, that's great. 16 years old, which is pretty amazing. He actually didn't play most of his senior year because he had an injury or, or a problem, a blood clot near his collarbone. I learned the word clavicle from this experience. And so he missed a lot of his senior year with baseball. So he signed with the Astros out of high school, but he's a third baseman. So note Alex Bregman at third base. So he got traded over to the Braves fairly quickly, where he got his first career walk-off home run, 2016, against his former team, the Astros, and against Roberto Asuna, which is something that I always like to see. He did not get a lot of game time in the majors in 15, 16, 17, 18. The, the O's claimed him off of waivers, actually, in December of 2018. And in 19, he had a pretty average solid year-ish. He actually had the first run of the season, so that's something remarkable. And another thing for those of you who know Camden Yards in the area, he was his first walk-off with the O's landed on Utah Street, which is crazy far. And he's only the second in O's history to have a walk-off home run that landed on Utah Street. So yeah, he was 232 that year. So not horrible, not great. He did some tweaks between 19 and 20. And 20 is just, I don't know. It's I, its hard to tell based on 20 data. And he did a little bit worse in 20. He had packed on the weight earlier. He did this sort of post-high school. I think a lot of guys do this. You get out of high school, you're on your own, you're eating like crap. And he just ate a lot of junk food and gained some weight. And then it was mentioned to him, I think when he was on the Braves, that he should trim it down a little bit. And he said he liked to eat vegetables. So this is my second uh, reason for picking Rio Ruiz. I appreciate his learning to appreciate vegetables. And uh, since he trimmed it down, he started doing a little bit better. He did say that he still likes flaming hot Cheetos. And I think the athletic got this kind of screwed up because they said that it was his kryptonite 
but he said he still eats it once in a while. Superman can't like hang out with kryptonite once in a while, right? Am I right on that? Right, but it's it's his bad thing. I mean, people yeah. say kryptonite when they mean, you know, this is the thing that gets me every time. But even you know, if you can right, have a little bit. Technically, it should be, can't be near it, but people often use it for, this is the thing that's just going to get me. It's going to kill me dead. All right. Well, so I, I'm hoping that he can keep the flaming Hot Cheetos under control. He Are they is, a vegetable? I don't know. It's There's dairy in there. Maybe you can count it as the protein. Can, maybe you can count it as some protein. <laughs> Yeah, which which I guess you're needing if you're eating a lot of vegetables. His defense is actually sexy, though. He did make number eight. He's always in the top 10 for, for best defense of 2020, right behind Josh Donaldson. Overall or at third base? At third base, third base, okay. third base. Yeah, sorry, not not. So I'm I'm trying. I'm working for these happy stats. There's a happy stat. He uh, had a baby fairly recently. He's from California. His wife's name is Michelle. His son Luca James was born in July 2019, which was the time of a little bit of an O's baby boom. I know there was another player who was around the same time and a couple afterwards. And the cool thing was that he homered in his first game back up to the O's after his son was born, which was actually in August. That way his son was in in attendance. He had been struggling. So he had been sent down a bunch during 2019. And after the birth, he was transferred to AAA Bowie because... Norfolk was Billy's double A. Just wait, so wait, you wait. Know. Shit, shit, shit. So he was <laughs> transferred. To, so, and this is the thing too. He was transferred to double A Bowie, even though he could have been in triple A, but triple A is Norfolk. So that was further away. And his family was in Baltimore. So if they were going to send him down, keeping him closer to home was the thing to do. So he did a lot of, of daddy time. And especially in the off season, he did a lot of family time. So I guess these are the three key things that I've got him for then. His daddy time, his vegetables, and his hair. Not his kryptonite. Mm-mm. For sure, not the kryptonite. I am going to break the boyfriend rules. Here I go. Are you ready? Sure. I picked Ryan Mountcastle, who I have my eye on during the end of the shortened 2020 season because he really lit it up at the end of the season. He is a first baseman and left fielder. He's 23. He is from Winter Park, Florida. And he reminds me of Mike Trout in the way I don't want Mike Trout to be my boyfriend because I don't want because he's mad skills, but I don't think I would enjoy having a beer with him. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, wait, that's one of the rules. And then I realized, nope, you know what? I'm in it to win it. I think that Ryan Mountcastle is going to win Rookie of the Year this year. I'm calling it now in December for the upcoming season that we don't even know when it's going to start. And I'm just being a big honking mercenary here. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle appears to be a very lovely human, but I don't know. I could carry on a conversation with him about anything other than baseball, which is not the case usually for our boyfriends, right? Right. But let me tell you about him. He's a, he's a very nice guy. He seems like a very nice guy and super talented. Hmm. Okay. So as I said, you know, we grew up in Winter Park, Florida, not too far from Disney World. Says, I don't, we don't, people who live here don't go to Disney World. Don't ask me about that. <laughs> uh, his parents are divorced. Both have remarried. And he's close with both of the families. And they've been really supportive all along. Some of the family lives in Northern Virginia and have had been Orioles fans. Because, you know, before the Nets came along, that's who everybody around here rooted for because that's what we had. He watched way more sports than cartoons. 
as a kid, he was known to actually leave his friends' birthday parties in order to get home and turn on ESPN and watch a game. Not just baseball, but really any game. And he said he didn't really like throw in for particular teams, but he liked certain players. And he especially cited Evan Longoria at the time, who, pl- who played for Tampa Bay at the time, who is a, a prior boyfriend of mine, and Mike Trout. Go figure. So maybe he's emulating Mike Trout. Although Mike Trout has weather, and I haven't found Ryan Mountcastle's thing. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Had the same girlfriend since high school. So when he started high school, he was a 130-pound freshman. He had amazing hand-eye coordination. He could always hit, but he couldn't hit for power because he had this scrawny, as he said, this scrawny little body. He also ended up being super tall, by the way. So he like tried to put on the power shakes, you know, the ice cream with the protein powder and the whole thing just to try to put some weight on so he could grow into this power hitter he wanted to be. And it actually did it to the extent that it made him sick. Mm. So somehow he got off of that and found a better way to put on weight. And by the time the draft came along, when he was a senior, he made it to 170 pounds, which was much more reasonable and allowed him to get some of that power. He was drafted right out of high school by the O's in 2015 in the first round, but in the compensation round. Um, Nelson Cruz at one point was an Oriole. And then when he left for free agency, the O's got compensatory draft pick that counted as the first round. So that's when they picked up Ryan Mountcastle. So since the draft, he started working with a trainer who was a former football player that he met because this trainer was working with his brother, with Mountcastle's brother. And, and the trainer was so impressed with how he tried so hard to fix what needed to be fixed to get to the oh, kind wow. of athlete he wanted to be. And he said he just attacked what he was weak at. And that made what he was already good at better. And they did all kinds of very complicated, like balancing of strength and all of this sort of more of the new baseball rather than the old school baseball ways of tuning up your game. Makes me think he came from some some privilege because there was a lot of, you know, private trainers and those kinds of things and that that were happening. So he ended up adding 30 more pounds of muscle. So now Austin Hayes from the O's refers to him as a donkey. Because now he's a very, very large, very strong human, right? Um, He got picked for the Futures game in 2018. 2019, he was named the Brooks Robinson O's Minor League Player of the Year, which apparently, I don't know if he was kidding or not, but he said the prize for that was an Amazon gift card and some big league chew. (laughs) (laughs) But that year, 2019, he was also the International League Player of the Year. And he led the International League with 162 hits, right? So he was really quite the star. And so fans started saying, call him up call him up, call him up. Didn't get called up for a while. One of the reasons is, although he did become this power hitter, he didn't have a lot of plate discipline. He almost never walked. And they wanted him to, like, he struck out way too much and he needed to, like, really pay attention. So they 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 held him down saying that was the reason. There, of course, were also service time reasons, right? So he finally debuted in the short season in August, August 21st versus the Red Sox. And we've talked about this before in that the guys that debuted this year, and there were a lot of them, couldn't have their families in the stands. Yeah. But there is this beautiful video of Ryan Mountcastle watching videos that were put together from his entire family. And his family's big because he's got like, you know, both the parents had remarried and there's brothers and sisters on each side of the family. And there's, you know, his girlfriend was on there. His dog was on there. And, and all of these, you could just watch him watch these people tell them how proud they are of him. And it was just lovely. And I just, I felt so bad that he had to see that on his phone instead of having them say it in person, but it was still so meaningful 
that I really, I, I really appreciated that. And it's something you can keep, you know, there's that because yeah. the in-person stuff isn't recorded completely. Sure. There are some snapshots and stuff. Yeah. But- so here's the irony of this power hitters debut. So he, he finally, everybody is like clamoring for him. He has this debut. He walks twice. He never walks, uh, right? Wow. So they're expecting power hitting and he walked. So the fans are like, ah, oh, crap, we want to see power hitting. And whereas the coaches are like, it worked. Those uh, were great at bats. This is what we wanted him to learn how to do. And he did. So like, there were no fireworks, but look at him. He learned. He was the first O in 38 years to walk twice in his debut. His first hit was the next night. And then the next night he hit two doubles. And then wow. a week later, he had a two home run game against the Blue Jays. So that made him the first Oriole with a multi home run game in his first eight games since 2012 Manny Machado. Wow. So he played 35 games in this shortened season, right? He played, you know, from the end of August till the end of the season. He hit 333, five home runs, 23 runs batted in. It was the best O's rookie season since, say it with me, 2012 Manny Machado. Wow. So he did get one, I think, like third place vote for American League Rookie of the Year for this year. And his numbers, had they held out for the full season, he would have been much better than the people who placed higher than he did as Rookie of the Year. But it was that he was just that tiny little bit of that tiny little season. So here's Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about Rookie of the Year eligibility. Because the season was so short, it meant that a rookie could play in more than half of his team's games, which is one of the rules for eligibility. But as long as he didn't exceed 50 innings or 130 at bats, he could still be eligible for rookie of the year in 2021. And Mount Castle is the only American league rookie who had a vote this year, who still qualifies next year. So I'm telling you, I'm being mercenary. Wow. I believe in Ryan Mountcastle. He's a hardworking guy that I don't want to have a beer with, but I will have a beer with you and watch him play. So does that count? I think that's totally fair. And there were some qualities that, you know, you connected with that idea. He sounds like he was almost a baseball boyfriend guy when he was watching to be able to find guys with every team and that, that, you know, grit of fighting back is your thing too. So I think you've got a lot of boxes checked. All right. Thank you for letting me get away with this. That's fair. <laughs> So uh, speaking of checking boxes, I'm going to keep my box checked for the Nationals. So in the National League, we're already at the Nats, which is kind of like this, you know, huge buzzkill after last year. With and it, Isn't that funny? I mean, like we were cheering that the O's made it to like the third week. And I'm like, oh, crap, the Nats are in the third week. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, man, it was a rough year. But what, what there was a big shining star with the Nats performance this year. And it was Juan Jose Soto Pacheco, left field. And I am now on my third year with with Juan Soto. I first picked him in episode way back in episode 65 and we're at 167 now. So that was a while ago. So why stop something good? And I feel like the baseball boyfriends that we've continued, the ones that we cut off, there was a reason like Mookie Betts I had for two years and then he went to Dodgers and I was like, all right, time to move to Juan Soto. And you had Anthony Rendon. And then when he went to the Angels, it was a a nice cut. But Juan had a great 2020. I mean, like a crazy great 2020. He led the National League in batting average, 351, on base percentage, 490, and slugging 695. And he led the league in the last two. So on base percentage and slugging was all of MLB. 
LeMayhew is the one who beat him in his batting average, though, 364. So he's consistent also. So in his first three seasons, his on-base percentage was 415, which is only second to Mike Trout in that time frame. So not bad. Like, why would I get rid of him? What was notable about his 2020 season is the start of it, which was heart-wrenching because he tested COVID positive on opening day. And it was like, you know, you're building up to this opening day game. And of course, I'm totally psyched to be seeing Juan Soto. And it was just after we've been waiting for so long. And of course, what he was upset about more than anything is looking bad because he's such a nice guy and he is not one of those partiers. Like he is totally a homebody, even when he's in DC. And he didn't want to come across as like that young partying guy. And it was followed by three back-to-back negatives very soon after. And so there's a lot of speculation, including him saying, was it a false positive? He showed no symptoms, nothing else happened, and he's a responsible dude. So I'm going to, you know, take his word for it. But that means that he played 47 games instead of 60. So to to achieve all that in a shorter game span is pretty crazy. According to fan graphs, he's actually the best hitter, and I'm not quite sure how they calculate it, but let's trust fan graphs, in Nats history, including the Expos years. I just want to remind you as a little bit of a flashback, back when I picked him. So in May 2018, his first game, second inning, first pitch, he got a three-run home run. So that was his, his start. And he's continuing that after these first couple of years. He's still only 22 years old. I regret it. I, I failed to mention that at the very beginning, 22 years old. And he was 21 during this past season. He just turned 22 in October. And the, the sense of humor, too, on that three-run home run when he started in 2018 is he did a mock hair flip like Bryce Harper. Because in those days, folks were calling him sort of the air impa- uh, you know, inherent coming in at age 19. That's it. Thanks. (laughs) I need vocabulary support. I totally need vocab support. Yeah. And so for him to be like coming in as a 19 year old, like Bryce Hopper and then get that home run and flip, he does not have the flow for it, but sticking with Juan Jose. Although uh, he does make a good Santa. I know I saw a, a photo of him on Twitter in a Santa suit and he looked good. He looked like he was embodying the whole Santa spirit. And I'm wondering what that was because I saw that too and there weren't comments on it and same on Instagram. But last year he did the same thing and it was for like a good cause. And I can't remember what it was a charity or something like that. And it looks sort of like a similar situation. The other sweet thing, check out his Instagram, is him making these pasteles, which are, they look like tamales, a Dominican dish that's traditional for Christmas with his family. And they're all just sitting down at the table making pasteles together. What a sweet boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty great. I am all for it. I am all for that. I am so excited with my nationals pick. I got to pick Andrew Stevenson known in my family as the CW uh-huh. <laughs> or my Nats boyfriend. And let me explain the CW. This is the CW network. The first time I laid eyes on Andrew Stevenson with the long, flowy blonde hair and sort of like the, you know, he's a Louisiana boy. So he's got that that sort of beachy look about him. Like he could be on any show on the CW. 
And from then on with my family, hey, look, the CW is at bat. So Andrew Stevenson is a left fielder. He's 26. He um, has been up and down a lot. This might be the year that he's up. So let's find out. He was drafted in 2015 in the second round by the Nats from LSU, where he was really known for his speed and his defense. And in fact, on their way to the College World Series, he made a you know, a completely laid out spectacular catch in the outfield that was so notable, not only for the laying out and making the catch safely, but the getting up and throwing it in to make a double play out of it, that they wow. called it the catch. And they compared him to Odell Beckham Jr., who was LSU football at the time, who was famous for wide receivers for the catches. So that was kind of a thing. But he was also a smart, he's also a smart guy. He was all SEC academic honor roll. And my kid pointed out, it is SEC. I'm like, yeah, but it's better that he was on the honor roll than not, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. When he went to that College World Series, his teammate was, oh, we mentioned him already once, Alex Bregman. They were on the same team, same year. When the Nats drafted him, uh, Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the Nationals, referred to him as playing 100 miles per hour with his hair on fire. I had to wait Ah. this long to get to the punchline from your, your episode title. You did. And actually, Ryan Mountcastle, I think, also fits that bill with how hard uh-huh. that he works. His hair is a lot shorter. So his hair on uh, being on fire would be less dramatic and dangerous, probably more dangerous though. to his scalp. Yeah. But anyway, yes. But I have a guy for hair also. Well, hair is bonus. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2016, he led the Arizona Fall League in hits. He got an invitation to spring training with the Nationals in 2017, where Dusty Baker said, he's always ready. When I look down there, he's already looking at me. Like, put me in coach. I'm ready to play, right? In 2017, he was playing double A with the Harrisburg Senators, and he had back-to-back five-hit games, which is pretty wow. dang good. And that was in April. By July, they he had his debut with the Nationals. But then he went up and down a lot. I mean, we went to a lot of games, you know, over the past couple of years. And like, oh, look, there's the CW. Oh, he's not here anymore. Oh, look, there's the CW. He's not here anymore. This year... Um, in September of 2020, Adam Eaton, well, we mentioned him already too, fractured his index finger. So Adam Eaton was playing right field. So he was going to be out. So Stevenson got called up again, got recalled again, and promptly went on a 12 game hitting streak. He had an extra base hit in each, in eight of his final nine games and was the everyday leadoff hitter towards the end of this shortened 2020 season. So that bodes really well for him. So you know, Michael A. Taylor, who we love dearly, who has left for the Royals. We're going to have a smackdown to pick him for sure. Uh, when we get oh, to my the God. Royals. That's right. So, so Michael A. Taylor was kind of held back because Victor Robles, right? So we have got Juan Soto and Victor Robles and Adam Eaton in the outfield. And so then there was Michael A. So uh, Andrew Stevenson was kind of behind in that line. So he's moved up to like like the number four guy for the outfield. So hopefully he'll get to play more and won't be held back quite as much as Michael A was depends on who else the Nats get for the outfield. So Andrew Stevenson has three brothers. His very special bond is with his brother, Matt, who's like two and a half years younger than he is, who has Down syndrome. And Andrew refers to him as his inspiration. He says, he makes me work harder and makes me more grateful to think for the things that I have, for the gifts that I have, because I know because you know, Matt couldn't have them. So he feels like he's doing it for both. He feels like, you know, any success he has is sort of also reflected and because of his brother, Matt, because of all the support that Matt gives him. Interestingly, they both 
played in Little League World Series in Williamsport. Matt played with the Challenger League, which is for players with special needs. And Andrew went with the um, Lafayette, I guess, Louisiana team. They didn't win the World Series, but he got to play in Williamsport. So both brothers, two of the brothers got to play there. The youngest brother, Joshua, just committed to LSU. So he's sort of following in Andrew's footsteps with the college baseball path. My two favorite memories of Andrew Stevenson, I witnessed personally, and I think you were probably with me for both of these. And I, I love I love this first story the most. In August 2018, he got recalled from Syracuse, which was where the AAA team was before they went to Fresno, and now they're in Rochester. But anyway, so we need you. This was when they got when they when Matt Adams and uh, uh, Daniel Murphy were traded. So they they called they they recalled Andrew Stevenson. There were no flights from Syracuse, so he got in a car. And he drove, which is a six-hour drive. I know. I have made that drive. It was pouring rain. So he drove six hours in the pouring rain, arrived at the game during the super long rain delay that we were probably like drinking beer during because that's what we do during rain delays. Yeah. He got into Davey Martinez's office and Davey said, suit up. I'm going to need you. Wow. When the game resumed, his first at-bat, he got his first major league home run. And the Nats won against the Phillies. That day was exactly 13 years after he scored a game-winning run in the Little League World Series. That is beautiful. Isn't that great? And I remember wow. like watching that and having another fan say, do you know who that was? And I'm like, yeah, I do. That was Andrew C.W. <laughs> Stevenson. Thank you very much. The second thing that is most wonderful for Andrew Stevenson is Potty Mouth's favorite play of all time, possibly the wild card game in 2019. Stevenson was um, put into pinch run for Ryan Zimmerman, which means he was on base and therefore scored in Juan Soto's two-run single off of Josh Hader. That was so much fun. That was the eighth inning, right? That was just that eighth inning craziness. That was the eighth inning craziness. And so uh, Michael A. Taylor and Andrew Stevenson were the guys who scored. Wow, we are like only talking about six guys over and over again today. But I'm just excited that Andrew Stevenson's got a World Series ring and that play alone, man. Good dude. So I'm very excited about Andrew Stevenson. I'm impressed. And I totally should have predicted that. I've totally, yeah, I've been enjoying hearing about CW. I could have, I could have called that one. <laughs> I have, I have a past boyfriend to talk about. And that actually I have a few past boyfriends to talk about. This is pretty exciting with Leadom. The Dominican League is roaring right now. I just got off watching the first part of the mini playoffs between the Leones de Escogido and the Estrellas Orientales. And it was super fun and huge thanks to Patrick Melbourne for getting a Discord together today, actually, to celebrate Infield Fly Girl's birthday. Happy birthday, Infield Fly Girl. Huge happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was fun. And unfortunately, we're not going to be doing this for every playoff game. But I got to just jump on with some fun facts once in a while. So I appreciate having had that that opportunity. And I'll talk about uh, that game in a minute. But first, my boyfriend, Ronald Guzman. Of the, He was my boyfriend from the Rangers, actually our very first season. He was just awarded the MVP of the regular season of the Dominican League. He plays for the Gigantes de Cibao. And when I had him for the Rangers, he was sort of, it's sort of like what I was talking about with Ruiz before. You're your basic low average kind of solid player, but nothing remarkable. He had an 
absolutely remarkable season with lead on this year. He came out with a 360 average and on base percentage plus slugging of 973. And he Ooh. led in hits, he led in OBP, he led in RBI. He was one player, one out of four players in the entire league who played every game. So he reached this level while playing every game. He had at least one hit in 22 of the games he played, at least one run in 17 of the games he played, and he was the leader in games with two or more and three or more hits. He was one of only three people in the league with a four-hit game, the only player with two games with two home runs each, and he was the co-leader of games with two or more walks. So basically leading everything all around and playing some pretty amazing defense. The The reason why I had picked him years ago as my Rangers boyfriend was because of his long-legged splits, like crazy first baseman splits. And he kept doing that. And not only that, he has the flow. He's got – it looks like it could be a mohawk. I haven't seen a picture of him without his hat. But he's got like beautiful, flowy poking out of the back. So yay for Ronald Guzman. So the mini playoffs. The Estrellas Orientales won today. There's another one tomorrow. So by the time this podcast drops, we will know who came out of the mini playoffs as the victor, whether it was the Estrellas Orientales or the Leones del Escogido. The big news about the game today, though, is debuting in the 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 this is you can do this in the Dominican League debuting in the playoffs was Fernando Tatis Jr. and Robinson Cano, both for the Estrellas Orientales. On the other side, the, the team that I was hoping would have won, the Leones del Escogido, had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Franchi Cordero. Well, today was Cano's game. The first two pitches he saw were both home runs. So that oh means his first at bat, a pitch, a home run. His second at bat, a pitch, a home run. When he came up for the third time, everybody was like sitting on the edge, like, can he? And no, he didn't. He didn't. I don't think he hit again. Uh, might might it be? I, I hear that there's been some PED action. Right. Might that have right. something to do with his prowess? So you can look at it one of two ways. Like as as I think most of y'all know, Cano is out for next year in MLB because of his second uh, problem with testing positive for PEDs. So of course, half of the folks are saying, well, I guess the Dominican League isn't testing. And some folks, like when I was looking on the bright side, even though I'm reading for Leones, I was thinking, well, maybe he just like has his response. You know, he wants his voice to be to be heard at this point. And he's like, screw y'all. You got me out of, of next year. And here I'm going to Here's hit what you're missing. Run. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's a couple of home runs in a row. Yeah. So the, the Estrellas ended up winning, I think, shoot, I think it was eight to four. I was a little bit bummed. But stay tuned because even though that mini playoff is over, there's lots of Dominican playoffs to be had. The Aguilas, Gigantes, and Toros will be playing with whoever wins this mini playoff. And they had all, interestingly, had tied records ending the season, the Aguilas, Gigantes, and Toros. So the seeding in the playoffs was decided by run differential. Thanks to Infield Fly Girl for cluing me in on that one. So that's, well, stay, you know, stay tuned. It's going to be all of January. The semis, I think, start January 2nd, and then the finals January 11th. 
And then hang in there in the Caribbean series is going to be in the beginning of February. There is news elsewhere in the world. Just super quickly, the CPBL, Taiwanese Baseball, has re-signed the dynamic trio of pitchers for the Lions, who we all know won the Taiwan series. That would be Tim Melville, Teddy Stankowitz, and Brox Dykeshorn are re-signed for the full season, which is exciting. They had only played a half season last year. Shit, I hope they resigned for the full season. I know that they resigned. I'm hoping that it's for the whole time. But interestingly, the Lions also signed a fourth pitcher, Felix DeBrant, which I was excited about. He's a former Red Sox pitcher from Venezuela. And he is the fourth pitcher, which means that one of them is not going to be pitching in the majors because they can only have three foreign players up at a time on the team. So I'm not quite sure what this is. Maybe it's insurance because the Lions lost all three of their foreign pitchers from the first half of the season last year. So maybe they're thinking, uh, we better get stuck up on the Murley in case we lose one. But they're allowed to have four and keep three up at a time. Last international league I'm going to talk about, the Australian Baseball League. I am I continue to be disappointed. I think we crapped about this last week that I was pissed off that I paid my 10 bucks because they had Manny all over their fucking opening day announcements and then I turn on opening day and right before opening day the Blue Sox announce, "Oh, Manny's hurt, mysterious illness, not playing." And we talked about, you know, 48-year-old man issues that it could be. I had been keeping an eye on Manny's Instagram, which is actually hysterical because he's either narrating his escapades with Rachel Balkovich and they do seem to be like great buddies. That is totally confirmed. It's on both of their Instagrams. Or he's preaching. Like he's literally reciting Bible verses and preaching the the word of God. So it's, it's an interesting combo. But what he's not doing is he's not playing. He hasn't been on the field. And then I get this email from the folks that I paid the 10 bucks to saying, hey, Manny's coming Monday. So that would be tomorrow for us, yesterday for you all. It's an exhibition game. And so the Sydney Blue Sox are playing against themselves and they're, you know, humorously splitting into the Sydney Red Sox against the Sydney Yankees. So it's like maximum, you know, suck you in potential, right? For for the international fan. And then I tweeted something about psych to watch this game. And Game Flick or Sports Flick, that's what they're called, Sports Flick, tweeted back, no, we're not actually broadcasting it. That, what? That, what? Yeah. How, how is this possible? Why, why even tell you? It's, it's shitty. It's, it's the, I don't know who to be pissed off at, at Sports Flick or the Blue Sox because Flor- Sports Flick threw the Blue Sox under the bus and said, well, they didn't get their pro- programming team and we're just the broadcasters, so we can't do anything about it. But I'm kind of like, you know, folks, you sent out the email that morning and you're the folks who are raking in the, pers- the subscription money. So I'm not quite sure where the like shit lies, but I think that there's no way to watch Manny tomorrow slash yesterday for you all, unfortunately. Do you think that when he was lost, was he holding a shovel? Had he gone out into wherever he was <laughs> to bury like a giant box full of $10 bills sent in by subscribers? I, that, I don't know. I don't know. And he said that he had an oblique strain in one of his Instagram things, that it was an oblique strain. And I'm thinking like the way that they they put it on the Sydney Blue Sox was some mysterious big illness that he's been dealing with for a while. I think, remember we talked about that last week. We, we said did. it was something that he had been dealing with and an oblique strain, really? 
and then he can do this exhibition game. So I don't know that, I guess, I don't know if I'm ever going to see Manny play because if it's, if it's not actually on their paid service this month, I'm not paying 10 more bucks. Fuck them. Fuck them. That's not right. Yeah. That is not right. Well, fine then. But there is international baseball to watch, even if it's not Manny in Australia. So that's right. what you could be doing this week. We make sure we point you in directions to, to ensure you know how to watch some international baseball. You can also look up some old episodes of ours and give them a whirl and tell your friends if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. You can find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. So this week, I need to look up some boyfriends for the Angels and for the Mets, because that's who we're talking about next time, Angels and Mets. And I'm going to be celebrating so hard in the looking at 2020 in the rear view mirror. Yeah, sounds good. So for all of you out there, Happy New Year. Please wear your masks, stay distance, wash your hands, fight the man, and say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. We look happy. We have F-bombs.